You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. sent Timothy to Thessalonica to encourage them in their faith. David Gusick says this, Paul wanted Timothy to do two things, to establish them and to encourage them. Both are necessary, but we need to establish them first, he says. Encouragement can only come after we are established in the right direction. I can establish you in the wrong direction. What does that do? What good does that do? You need to be established in the right direction. We need to point you to the Word of God. Without the Word of God, we can encourage people to go in the wrong direction. While encouragement is a necessary component of our everyday lives, being established in proper doctrine is a must. If the encouragement we give isn't rooted in God's Word, we are likely to lead each other astray. In today's message, Pastor Dave discusses the importance of sound doctrine when guiding and supporting others. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 20 as he continues his message, Paul, the Consummate Encourager. You are it means so much to know, gee, a person cares for me. A person really, they care for me. Sometimes you think back and go, and after the way I treated them? It's kind of scary, you know, it kind of puts you in your place. We need to care for one another. This is what I see Paul doing. He had concern for the churches. He had concern for the brethren. And he, and he encourages them. He encourages them. He embraces them and says, guys, I'm leaving. You know, Paul's intent was to revisit the churches in Macedonia and Greece while he was on his way to Jerusalem. So as we go to verse 2 and 3a, it says, Now when he had gone over that region and had encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. So we saw the Apostle Paul encouraging others by his concern and his care and his sensitive heart. Now we see him encouraging with words spoken. I like to say he's also encouraging them with words written. We'll talk about that in a minute. Paul wants the churches to be strengthened. He knows what's coming at them. He knows the perils of being a Christian in this day and age. He knows what's happening. Sound familiar, doesn't it? He knows what's going on, and Paul wants these guys to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He wants these guys to stand firm against the persecution that's coming down the pike, against the things that are coming against them. So Paul goes there, and he strengthens them with words of exhortation. Some translations even use the word exhortation. Remember, exhortation is encouragement on steroids. Remember that. Exhortation is when you go, you really forcefully encourage somebody. You're really... Give them to him. Paul speaks encouraging words. He says, Paul says he spoke with many words. Now, Paul is never short on words, and next week we're going to see that he can get rather lengthy in his sermons. We're going to see what happens next week. It's going to be a fun time. But Paul uses many, many words when he speaks. This was one of his main reasons and purposes for going to the churches. He wanted them to know that, number one, he cared for them. And number two, he wanted them to know that, that it strengthened them. Look, your strength is in the Lord. I'm not going to be around here much longer, Paul is telling the guys, but your strength has got to be in the Lord, and you need to follow him on your own. I can't follow it for you. 
And as your pastor, I can sit here and say, you've got to get the Lord for yourself and follow him for yourself. I can point you the way, I can show you the way, but it's up to you to grasp it and glean it for yourselves. You need to do that. But it's nice when somebody comes alongside you and helps you. It's nice when they come on a couple arms with you and take you into that place. The spoken word really encourages us. Oh, the spoken word is so wonderful. When I go to conferences, I go to conferences to get refreshed because I can sit back, put my feet up, and listen to these teachers teach the Word of God, and I am just encouraged. And, and, and you never, I don't know if you've been to many conferences or retreats or at all, but I can guarantee whatever's ailing you, whatever's bothering you before you go to the retreat is exactly what's going to be taught about at the retreat. And you're going to sit there and go, they got mirrors in my room. They know exactly what's going on with me. That happens here. Come on, folks, that happens here. You bring somebody to church, and the pastor starts preaching. The first thing they do, look and go, you told them everything about me. I didn't tell them anything about you. It's just the word of God. But it's so encouraging. Many instances, we see where the word of God, where we see God says, calls a man to encourage someone else. We see that. In Deuteronomy 3, 28, the Lord tells Moses to encourage Joshua. He says, but command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. Paul, writing to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 3, says this, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica to encourage them in their faith. David Gusick says this, Paul wanted Timothy to do two things, to establish them and to encourage them. Both are necessary, but we need to establish them first, he says. Encouragement can only come after we are established in the right direction. I can establish you in the wrong direction. What does that do? What good, good does that do? You need to be established in the right direction. We need to point you to the Word of God. Without the Word of God, we can encourage people to go in the wrong direction. Well, this is what I think. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't want to know what I think. Really. You don't want to know what I think. You want to know what God thinks. You want to know what the Word of God says. Well, I think you should do this. Whoa, time out, brother. What does the Word of God say I should do? Take me to the real source, not what you think. Take me what the source says. That's what Paul did. Took him to the real source. Everybody needs encouraging now and then, and sometimes all it takes is the speaking of the Word of God into a situation, and it brings us back to center. Paul definitely encouraged by the spoken Word, but he also encouraged by the written Word through letter writing. Now, you might look at this verse and say, okay, Shank, where does it say he wrote letters? It doesn't, but follow me on this. The Scripture says that he came to Greece and he stayed three months. Okay, that's where I am. Many believe that while Paul was in Greece, he was back in the city of Corinth. From there, during these three months, many believe that he wrote two letters, one to the Ephesian church and one to the Romans. That's what I'm talking about. Paul was a letter writer. Paul was encouraging. Look at your epistles. I had a conversation with somebody this morning who came in and said, aren't the epistles grand? Don't you just love to read them? They're full of encouragement. They're full of doctrine. They're full of meat. What a wonderful time to read the epistles that God has given to us in these letters. These men were letter writers. They wrote their hearts on their letters. 
Oswald Sanders wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership. And he wrote about Paul. And he says this, quote, Any position of leadership involves a considerable amount of correspondence, and letters are self-revealing. Take Paul, for example. We know more about his moral integrity, intellect, uh, intellectual honesty, and spiritual life through his letters than any other source. When a difficult situation required his attention, he dipped his pen in tears, not acid. He continues, Paul's letter abounded in encouragement, were gracious in compliment and rich in sympathy. Those who received them were always enriched. And that's how I feel when I read the epistles. I am just so enriched by his teachings and by all their teachings, Peter, John, James, Jude, all of them, when you read them and glean from them. We read through Paul's epistles time and time again, and we're so encouraged. In fact, these same scriptures came to me this week in an email and encouraged me greatly when I was going through a bad time, starting off with my most favorite, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Praise God. How many of you have this on your refrigerator? Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Or how about this one? Philippians 4, 19. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. See, when Paul had to correct somebody, he never corrected to win an argument. He corrected to settle a spiritual problem and to make an immature Christian mature. This is what encouraging does. Encouraging helps us come from immaturity into maturity. It helps us to grow up in grace, grow up in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it helps us to do. You know, letters are a thing of the past. They're gone. But there's email. As I told you, just this week I received an email, and it was so encouraging. It came at just the right time, and that's what God does. It comes just at the right time. Notes are important. These little notes and stuff, little notes and things, they're fantastic for encouraging people, for telling people that you care about them, for telling people that you're thinking about them, for telling people that you're praying for them. Sometimes you receive a note. You don't even know who it's from, but for some reason God had them send it to you, and you go, how did they know I was having problems? How did they know I was having difficulties? See, God knows, and God says to help when we need it, just at the right time. So Paul encouraged to his sensitive and concerned heart. He encouraged to his command of the written and spoken word. And next we see him encouraging by his actions. We see Paul encouraging by his actions. By people watch him, they were encouraged by it. He's a great example. Look at verse 3b. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return to Mount, through Macedonia. Here I see Paul encouraging others by three actions. The actions of adaptability, the action of courage, and the action of stamina. Once again, Paul discovers a plot to kill him, and he changes his plans. Instead of sailing from Corinth, he travels overland to Achaia in Macedonia, and he eventually leaves from Philippi. Paul would not let anything keep him from accomplishing that which the Lord had appointed him to do. I love that about that. I've mentioned that before. I love that about Paul. His courage in the face of adversity is recorded by Luke in many areas. In fact, we just read how during the riot in Ephesus, they basically had to hold him back from running in there and talking to the people. If they'd have let him go, he probably would have been torn limb from limb. But they held him back. Paul didn't care. Paul wanted to tell them the truth, wanted to preach the gospel. See, Paul wasn't afraid of what was happening. He saw it as an opportunity. 
He saw everything as an opportunity to preach the gospel. Everything in the world is an opportunity to tell someone about Christ. This is the way Paul was. He had great courage. And if you go back to 2 Corinthians 11, you read it all the time. Paul was persecuted and beaten for his faith. Nothing deterred him. And he was adaptable. He followed the Holy Spirit's lead. Remember, he wanted to go to Asia. The Holy Spirit said, no, nope, can't go there. He wanted to go to the Bithynia. No, nope, you can't go there. Paul followed the Holy Spirit's lead. He inherited his plot to kill him. He got something else to do. He was adaptable. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. Paul was flexible. Paul was adaptable. He had great stamina. Man, if you don't think Paul had stamina to do what he did, he was a man of great stamina. And that is encouraging to us. To me, it's extremely encouraging. We can be encouraged by Paul's sensitive heart. We can be encouraged by Paul's command of the language, both written and spoken. And we can be encouraged by Paul's actions of courage, adaptability, and stamina. And finally, we can be encouraged by Paul's commitment to the needy, especially those of the church of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. I'm going to fight these names again. And Sopater of Berea accompanied him to Asia, also Aristarchus and Segundus of Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, Timothy and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. Another one of Paul's goals was to go and collect money from all the Gentile churches to deliver to the needy church of Jerusalem. Paul wanted to do that. He knew that the church in Jerusalem was in great need. They were bankrupt. They were supporting everybody. Remember, in the early days of the church, the Jerusalem church was supporting everybody. They banned it, they put all their stuff together, and they started giving it out to everybody that had need. Paul knew this, and he also knew that they needed financial assistance. So he went around and he told the churches that he had planted, hey, think about this. Think about this church is in need. Pray about that. And they started taking collections, and they started sending it to the church in Jerusalem. Paul was just following his spirit-filled heart. And this becomes such a great encouragement to me as well. You know, you can read about this, about him wanting to help the churches in Rome, in Romans 15, 25 through 27, in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 9, and 2 Corinthians, the entire chapters of 8 and 9. Paul talks about his desire to collect money from the churches. Paul was seeking to show a brotherhood. He was seeking to show a unity, a oneness, where there was neither Jew nor Greek, etc., When one member suffers, everyone suffers. When one member is hurting, everyone hurts because of the oneness we are in Christ. We've celebrated the unity that we are in Christ at communion, remember? Our identity in Christ as connected one to another. Paul wanted to go through Macedonia and Greece and collect these offerings. He wanted to take them to the poor saints who were starving and getting trouble in Jerusalem. When Paul returned to Jerusalem, he would take these offerings. Notice the names of Paul's traveling companions. Evidently, the churches were were there. They realized that there were actual threats being made on Paul's life. So they sent these guys for a couple purposes. Number one, tougher to beat up five or six people than it is one. If you're going to attack a group of guys, you know, you think about it more than just attacking one guy. I learned that when I grew up in Camden. Never go anywhere by yourself. But it's also believed, it's also believed that these traveling companions of Paul were probably representatives from all the churches bringing the monies that the churches had collected. And they were taking these all together. Instead of giving it the money to Paul, they were all going together. Thus you see accountability, you see good stewardship, those kind of things. They wanted to take this money. They were ambassadors. What a unity this showed. What, 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 this is encouraging to see this unity. It's encouraging to see this as they grow in their faith. 
The commentator Longnecker says this, one activity that especially concerned Paul at the time was collecting money for the relief of impoverished believers at Jerusalem. Paul viewed it as a symbol of unity that would help his Gentile converts realize their debt to the mother church in Jerusalem. I'm sure that the financial gift, once it got to Jerusalem, was a wonderful, encouraging thing. A wonderful thing. The men left before Paul and joined him at Troas in verses 5 and 6. It says, these men going ahead waited for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and in five days joined them at Troas where we stayed seven days. So Paul leaves Ephesus. He goes to Troas. And remember, it was in Troas where he received a vision from the man that said, come to Macedonia in Troas. But there's something interesting about that verse. Something interesting about that verse Who's writing this epistle? Or who's writing this this letter? Dr. Luke, right? Look at the pronouns. Us, we, Dr. Luke's back. He's with him again. He's now writing it from the first person. He's back there. He's now an eyewitness. Before he was writing in the third person, they, Paul, now he's writing again. He's with them again. So Dr. Luke rejoins the group. I just want to take this last couple minutes and look at exhortation for just a second. As we stated earlier, Paul was writing to the church of Rome regarding the gifts of the Spirit. He mentions in Romans 12, verse 8, the gift of exhortation. He said, he who exhorts an exhortation, let him do it. This is a very important gift to the church. It seems that many people don't live up to what they know to be right. The cares of the world crash in on them, and they can't do what they know they need to be doing. Many of us are hearers of the Word, but we're not doers of the word. This is where exhortation comes in. This is where encouragement comes in. We know the truth. We consent to the truth, but we don't do it because it's too hard sometimes and we can't get through. We need encouragement. We need a push. We need someone to come alongside and restart our battery. How many times have you said, yeah, I should do that and, and, and I will do that, but then you get caught up in all kinds of crazy things and stuff like that. You know what it's called? Procrastination. You're probably looking at one of the greatest procrastinators that ever lived. My wife gave me a book on procrastinator, and I haven't read it yet. And she gave me that, what, about 10 years ago? And every once in a while, I come across it, and I go, ah, I ain't reading that thing. Why do today when you can put off until tomorrow? No. Anyhow, procrastination, we all get caught up in it. We all get caught up in that, that procrastination, knowing what we need to do, knowing what we should do, and knowing what is right to do, but for some reason, we don't do it. We need that push. We need that encourager. Exhortation, like we said, is encouragement on steroids. It's when you are really putting the truth to somebody. But it's different from teaching because teaching is the, has in mind instruction. Remember, establishment, establishing people in the truth. That's what teaching does. Exhortation encourages people to practice what they've been taught. Exhortation encourages you to practice what's been taught. And both teaching and exhortation are necessary for a healthy Christian life. Those who are taught but not exhorted become fat cheap, and they never live the Christian life the way it's supposed to be lived. We just take it all in. And those who are exhorted but are not taught, they become very excited, they become very active, but there's no depth. There, there, there's, there's no understanding of what they're doing. So we need both teaching and exhortation to do this thing. We're commanded to exhort one another. We're commanded to encourage one another because it shows... One, One of the ways I can demonstrate my love for you is to exhort you and and encourage you and to come alongside you in time of need. 
So let us be encouragers. Let us be encouragers one to another as a group. Let us be encouragers to those that we know. I want to read to you a great encouragement by the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to finish here in Romans 12. In Romans 12, beginning in verse 9, I just want to read these passages to you, and then we'll end. These passages, if you look at them, kind of go along with what we talked about today in Paul's mindset, if you look at them. In fact, in the New King James, my New King James Version, there's a heading over top of verse 9 that says, Behave like a Christian. Exhortation that Paul is giving the Roman church. Verse 9, we're going to read verse 9 through 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Isn't that a great exhortation? Isn't that a wonderful piece of exhortation? Encouragement. Exhortation makes us strong in our faith. And that's what we need today. We need to be strong in our faith because this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's also a day when the world is getting stronger and stronger and coming and get us in more and more ways. We need to be strong in our faith. Exhortation and encouragement brings us back to the focus. And what's the focus of our life? Jesus Christ. It brings us back to square one. Jesus Christ. We need to be exhorted, and we need to be pushed. We need to be encouraged from time to time. Won't you encourage someone today? Won't you encourage someone this week? Whether it be whatever, a note, an email, tag them on Facebook, whatever it is you do, whatever way you communicate with someone, let them know you care about them. Let them know that you're on their side and you're praying for them. Let them know that you, you want to be with them, but maybe you can't because of a distance or something like that. Maybe you want to help somebody out financially with a small gift. I don't know. Whatever way the Lord wants you to work, He'll show you. Get before Him and ask, how can I be an encouragement to someone today? This is a hurting, hurting world. We all hurt in various ways. If we were to go around the room and start talking about our hurts and our pains, I'm sure that a lot of us would be astonished at what's going on in each other's lives. We need to get involved. We need to get involved with each other. We need to encourage one another because your Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And we need to know that. Won't you encourage someone today? You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. 
If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope, but we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, We'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Assure Hope.